So, uh, yesterday, as you remember, we started our quest for trying to fly through as much of as we possibly can. And uh, we covered, I have to say, quite a lot. We did most of the Daraisas and some of the Hagdomas as well. What I want to get to now is mainly the Durabonans. Mainly the Durabonans. Again, to mention something to you, which I've mentioned many times, and for the sake of just sounding like a broken record again, you know, a lot of these halachas we really need to spend a long time on. Um, and maybe one day we should. But uh, for the sake of Shavuos, for the sake of getting a little bit of clarity and chapping a lot of halachas that we possibly, you know, at this time as well, I think it's a great opportunity to try and chap things that we generally don't have time to go through. So that's why we put Wasabachana. And of course, it's Shavuos, so we need to know uh, what to do. So yesterday we basically left off with the sugya of Nat Barnat. Nat Barnat was the sugya of taking a parav item and cooking it in a meat pan and then taking the um, paravitum and mixing it with milk, or the other way round, right? In other words, it's a paravitum that was cooked in one type, and I want to mix it with the other type. And we basically left off by saying, I went on a little bit fast, but just to go over, we said like this, if the pot was used in the last 24 hours for meat, then lechatchila, you are not allowed to use the paravitum with milk. If you did, you must take sprinkled the cheese over it, you're allowed to eat it. If the pot was not used in the last 24 hours, then the din is that you are allowed now to take those potatoes, rice, pasta, whatever it is, and mix it with cheese. As long as you didn't do it al-daskin. Definition of al-daskin means you cannot cook in a par- in a fleshik, in a benyone pot, something par- if you know it will be eaten with cheese. I hope you guys are with me. Okay. That being the case, we must now move on to the sugya of Dovachorif. And this is probably, and I'll admit this one to you, this is probably what basically uh, got me to write the safer kashras in the kitchen. As you mentioned yesterday, there should be no house, Svari or Ashkenazi, that is without this book, obviously. And um, it's available in every bookstore around the world. So, you know, you know where to get these things. I know the author, it's a great book. But anyway, so, um, as I said, you know, what, what was it that got me to write that? And I think the answer was the following halacha. And that was the halacha of Nat Barna, uh, of Dovachorif, of onions. Because, you know, I realized, and I, I did a little bit of experiments. I used to, like, print papers and give it out to different coils or whatever. And I noticed that this one was like, wow, what a chiddush, unbelievable. People just didn't know. And that basically is the halacha of what we would call an onion, which really applies to anything that is, in English, pungent. I don't know how many people know what pungent means. You need an art school for the art school to know what pungent means. It means a sharp food. Any dovachor that includes a garlic, includes spring onions, you Americans call it, um, what do you guys call it, shallots? No, you call it, um, oh, come on. You call spring onions, uh, come on, we'll look at, we'll check the chat, come on guys, scallions, it comes from an English guy, look at that, you Americans couldn't figure that out quick enough, scallions, um, in Manchester that has a different, uh, different, uh, different meaning, but anyway, so, uh, so you're talking about things like that, leeks, for example, is another example of things that are dovachorif, what is the din with these things, you take a meat knife, okay, and you take your meat knife and you cut and slice an onion in half. That onion, is a piece of meat. That onion is now a piece of meat. That's Ashkenaz and Paskim. Uh, that's how we do generally Paskim in the Ramah. It's got a dinner piece of meat, even if the knife was only used 26 years ago 
at um, at your aunt's second cousin's neighbor's brother-in-law's bas mitzvah party that you had to leave yeshiva and go home for. Very important. So there you are with your knife, and you cut with a fleshic knife on the onion. An onion is a piece of meat. If you eat it, what din does that have? If you cook it with other things, what din do they have? So I'm not going to go into the whole sugi now. Most of us already are familiar with the Gemara in, in uh, Chol and Daf Kufi Lalav on the base, where the Gemara talks about this sugi, the Gemara in Vodizor, that goes through this whole union about discussing about how is it so that if I take a potato and I cook it in a pot that was not used for 24 and a half hours, that the potato is parath. I can mix it with cheese. And I take an onion with a knife that was used 26 and a half years ago, the onion becomes fleshics. So, more is a piece of meat. So, without going into the whole sugya, that's the halacha, it's machle leshvach, an onion, a sharp item, has the koyach, to actually schlep out a taste that is deeply embedded within a knife, not only a knife, even a frying pan. You fry onions in a fleshic pan, bang, you've got yourself a problem of fleshic onions, right? With the exception of certain cases, which we're not going to go into now. Uh, a lot of points can hold, by the way, that pickles are included, uh, lemons, grapefruits, cooking apples, radishes, a couple of other examples as well that you have to know. Now, I will tell you a very, very important thing, and you know, I often ask this question when people call up with a shayla, and they'll be like, well, for example, uh, someone will call up with a shayla of, I cut an onion with a milchik knife, and then I did A, B, C, and D, right? What do I do now? Right? And they come with this whole complication question. You know, it goes step after step after step. You know, the whole thing. And I'll just ask, let me ask you just one simple question. The moon catcher told me to ask this catcher in the dark Chuva. And that is a very simple thing. He says, I ask, was this knife ever used for hot cheese? Ever. Ever in its lifetime. Sometimes, in fact, quite often they'll say, ooh, hot cheese? Nah. It's never used for hot cheese. So it's a power of knife. No, no, but it's blue. And it says milk on it. No, that doesn't make it into a milchik knife. And therefore it's parav. So unless it was, if it, if it was never used for milchik or fleshik's heart, then it's got a bit of a parav. But if it was used once in its lifetime for yadza, lettuce, or milk or meat, then the onion has a din or anything korav has a din of, of, of being that uh, of being that type, which will then mean what din does it have when it goes into the food and when it gets cooked with other things and all of those things, and it's very, very important for us to remember, right? I'm not going to go into all the details of what happens if it does fall in. Yes, shishim, no shishim, how to deal with it. It's another sugya that we haven't got time, but I must mention something very, very important. I'll give you an example, a simple one, a pickle jar, right? You open a can of pickles, you open up a, a jar of pickles, whatever it is, and, you know, you take your fork and you go fishing for a pickle. So you, Oh, oh, I got it! It's like one of those amusement games, you know, that you're trying to get that, that uh, you know, those, that teddy bear that's worth nothing, and you keep on putting the pound coins in until I get that teddy bear, right? And you realize I spent more money than what it cost me. But anyway, so I'm fishing for this pickle jar, yeah? And I get the pickle, and as I'm bringing it up, you know how it goes, it falls straight down. Ah, oh, start again. Gotta go for another one. Hold on a minute. What did you just do? You took a, a meat fork, a fleshika fork, which was used maybe even last night for hot meat, hot chicken, whatever. You poked a pickle, which means now the entire pickle is fleshik. You, you lost the pickle, you had to get to another one. That one was left in the jar, and you can eat that tomorrow morning with your egg and cheese. Now you've got big problems. You have to be careful of that. I'll give you another example. You cut an onion with a fleshik knife, and you put it into a magimix, into a blender, or in a grater, you grate it, whatever. 
Does that greater become Fleishik's? Machloikis HaPoiskim, which we're not going to now exactly what is the Mogan Avroman, Evan Oiza, Machloikis and Orachayim, in Ahus Pesach, Seven Tzav Tarizalat, whether or not we pass in it's yes or no. The Maestro, some of the Poiskim, including the Chachmas Adam and the Mishabura himself, in Orachayim, Seven Tzav Tarizalat, are Machme. And therefore that will become Fleishik's, which means that if I now cut an onion on the same grater, magimix, whatever, to use with a salad that I'm going to eat with cheese, I've got big problems. So basically, without going into all of the complications over here, I think what we have to train ourselves to do is whenever you cut an onion or a garlic or a pickle or an olive or a grapefruit or, a, or whatever, then make sure you use a power of a knife. Because if you don't use a power knife, you have major, major problems and that could lead to all sorts of interesting shyness that could be involved in your kitchen. Okay, so... I want to move on now, because like I said, this is only a two-part series, so, um, oh my gosh, wow, the time is gone, so this is only a two-part series, so we really have to cover a lot, and we could go through so much, what happens, for example, if you put the wrong lid on the wrong pot, and these are all shilas that come up all the time, just this Motoshaba somebody called up, right, with the shilas that they, they, were, they were putting some water into the cholent on uh, Friday night, or Shabbos morning, whatever it was, because it was drying out, another shilas, whether it's a shilas of Chazor, or the shilas of Atmona, that we're not going into, but uh, his problem was that it splashed, and it splashed on the urn, now the urn was, was power over water, which is fine. But when I make my coffee, I make my coffee with that water in the urn. Which means that now I've got water, which came from an urn, which had meat on the side of it. And now I'm going to make a coffee with that water. What's the din over there? So you can imagine, there, there's just so many shadows we have to go to. You know, as I mentioned about the lids, ladles. There's, there's just, you know, steam, for example, is a big... You know, I'll talk to you about steam a moment, I want to tell you. Because, you know, this is a very, very hush of one. Um... In my dictionary, steam doesn't really exist. I'll be honest with you. There's no such thing as steam, really. Okay, I know, I know a lot of people argue it's not true, whatever. I don't want to go into the now. It's a better, it's a rush on the Mishnah, it's in Mesechtas Machshirim, that talks about Hechshatum of a mikveh. And it's also a Tshuva Sabach. And it's also brought down the Piski Tshuva in the end of Simon Tzadi Beis. Brought down also in Simon Kufhei, which brings also Rekiva Eger. And Rechashulchan brings it as well. And I know Kach Kibalti from my Rebbe of Scheinberg, that Lemaisa, there's no real steam nowadays. Because unless steam, and the Piski Tshuva brings this Lemaisa, that unless steam is in a concentrated place, it cannot ask us something else. And this is such a common question. You know, you'll by mistake hold a ladle over the chicken soup and then you'll be like, oh my gosh, it's a milchika ladle. I didn't put it in yet, but the steam was going up. Or for example, the common shayla, you're putting salt into the uh, chicken soup and the steam goes up into the salt shaker, salt cellar, whatever. So the general halacha is there's absolutely no problem whatsoever because as long as the steam um, basically has a place to move, which is what happens when you have a pot which is a lid that's open, or even if it's a little bit closed and it's sort of coming off from the side over there, that's fine. It can never ask for something else unless there's condensation there, that's something else because then obviously there's some mamosha that built up over time. But in a regular case, steam can never ask for something. Um, in fact, with from Zalmas, is a beautiful svara. He says there's no way that steam, even if you hold that steam as something, goes in and penetrates further into the salt shaker more than the salt that was coming out because the hole that the salt is coming out from is full of the salt that's coming out how did it get through there it, the, how did, it, it, didn't, it didn't have time to get another portion of paper place to get through so according to that anyway it's fine uh, unless you have something like a pressure cooker the old-fashioned good old good old-fashioned pressure cookers the way we used to cook and the chicken soup's in there and you're like petrified to walk in the kitchen because maybe at any moment it's going to explode which sometimes it did and you've got the steam coming out from right in the middle over there i don't know if you guys even remember these things right it's like the tape shyla do you remember the cassette tape you don't remember the cassette tape similar shyla so basically those that steam maybe has a problem maybe apart from that there's no problem but anyway we're going to get carried away let's go 
into the Durabonons, because I think most of this is more Nagay. But I, I want to mention just one last thing, because this is Erev Shvurus, and we have to discuss the Alokas on Nagay to Shvurus. It's a very, very big shaila for people that, um, you know, I have to mention, this is very, very important for Shvurus. Before we move on to Durabonons, let's just discuss uh, two very important shailas. Number one, a hot plate. Uh, people often ask the Shaila. This year, as we know, we've got Yontuf on Friday Shabbos, if you're in Chutzloritz. And those of you that are in Eretz Yisrael, so you've got Yontuf on Friday, but then, again, Shabbos, you've got Shabbos. So it's pretty much it's a two-day Yontuf for everyone. So none of you guys can say, oh, you don't know what it means to have a two-day Yontuf, and have a shower for two days. You know, it's fine. We're all in the same boat. It's fine. Go to the mikvah, you'll be absolutely fine. So what's the din when, for example, you want to use the same hot plate, both for meat and for milk, I want to heat up my uh, steaks and everything else. And then for tomorrow morning, I want to heat up my cheese blintzers and other things that I want to eat for Kiddush or whatever it may be. So the general aloha is, there's a aloha that's brought down in the Ramah on the end of Simon Sali base that says, That means whenever there is two kalim that touch each other, as long as there's no liquid in between them, there actually is no halachic transmission of taste which means uh, let's give a classic example you're cooking chicken soup on the stove next to it you're making a cheese omelette for some reason the pan the frying pan that's got the cheese omelette and the chicken soup both touch each other on the outside there's no problem whatsoever as long as one of them is not overflowing liquid so it's ain kli belay and kli belay right tape one kli cannot penetrate to another kli without a liquid medium in between if that's the case what I suggest people to do without going into too much lambdas is to cover their hot plate with one or two layers. It doesn't really make a difference. You don't have to cover it for Yontov and you definitely don't have to cover it for Shabbos if it only has one setting. Then there's no problem of Chazara or Shahia on a hot plate as we know from Simon Ration and Gimel in Arachayim that talks about the halachos of, of, of uh, Shia Natmana and Chazara. But al him when you do it and you cover it in one layer and use it for the meat, have a separate layer already prepared because obviously you can't cut foil on Shabbos. That's the Issa of Kireh, Doraisa. And therefore, you have to make sure you pre-prepare a separate foil that you use for your milchik and for your fleishiks. And this way, you'll change and intertwine depending on when you have your milchik meal and fleishik meal, which, of course, we will discuss in due course in the next few days of exactly what the minhogim of people went to eat milk and meat when it comes to shvuas. But that's an important idea. Another halacha, which is also very, very important to remember, is the halachas of ovens when it comes to cheesecake, right? Because a lot of people are cooking things uh, before shvuas. They want to make cheesecake. They want to make chalas for yontov, which they can eat with meat, they want to make meat, they want to make all sorts of things. And a lot of people only have one oven or a parav one, or maybe they have two, but not milchik, fleshik, and parav. So what do we do when I'm switching things around? So generally the halacha is, without going into too much detail, if you have one oven, and you want to use it for cheesecake, and then afterwards you want to use it for your challah to eat with the meat, or something similar to that, as long as the oven is basically clean, doesn't have to be pesa cleaned, it'll give it a little bit of a wipe, or maybe if it's clean, you don't even have to do that, bachlal, burn it out, put it on the highest temperature, when it reaches the highest temperature, give it another 10 minutes, and then off you go, you can use it for the other one. I know that everyone's bothered by, and you guys are probably asking right now, what are we going to do with the Mogan Avram and Simon Tofnun Aleph, that that says that the Minig is not to kasha things between milk and meat. So how can I do this? Says all the Paiskim, that's Hagola. This is Liban and Liban is Mota. So without going into too much thing, again, if you want to get all of the um, the Shailas, I guess I guess you guys are going to have to just download the app, because all the Halacha Shailas on Basel are pretty much on there. Let's move on to the Durabonans. Okay, now it's interesting, because 
Those of you that know Hilcha Shabbos know that the Gemara tells us that the Rosh in the beginning of the Shabbos go through so many situations where sometimes we say that we don't say to another Gzeira. In other words, is a safeguard so we don't be over on the Isha but we don't make a Durabonon for a Durabonon for a Durabonon for a Duraisa. That's just like, whoa, way out of, you know, it's just like left field, right? No Shaykhs. So what is the reason why in Basavacholov there are so many Gzairas? Durabonons of a Durabonon of a Durabonon, and we're going to go through them. Right? Don't eat them, to, you know, on the same table, because if you're on the same table, you may put it together. And the, what's going on? So I asked this question to I go and and he said to me, very simple, he said, Chazal saw how makbid the Torah was with these halachas. They, they just saw the Torah was makbid three times, three separate times, to teach us three different Nisurim, as we said for yesterday, from the Shulchan Aruch at the beginning of Simish Pei Zayin. Therefore, since Chazal saw that the rabbi, that the Torah was so makbid on it, therefore Chazal had to come along and give extra gzeras. So let's go through some of these gzeras. Many of them are very nugeah for Shavuos and the whole year. So number one, the first gzeras, which Be'etzim is a Mishnah in Mesech, where the Mishnah tells us that you're not allowed to put milk and meat on the same table. And the reason for that is, which we're not going to go into too much detail, is like the Ritva explains, uh, that in those days, everything was done everything was dipping. And therefore, if you put milk and meat on the same table, if I'm eating a schnitzel, and there's someone just put a cream and mushroom sauce on the table, there's a very, very good likelihood that I'm going to dip my schnitzel into that to sauce, because it was a normal thing to do in those days. Everyone dipped things. So if it's on the table, I'm just going to do it. Rashi, for example, says a very big yesoid. Rashi in Cholin says, Yodimaskoni is heim. People are always touching. People are moving. No one keeps their hands still. That's just how Klal Yisrael are, right? That's why we're doing it to a nair. A nair, look at a candle, a flame. It's always moving. It's never still. Klal Yisrael always moving, shockling this way, that way, moving, walking, pacing. That's how Klal Yisrael are. That's how we are. So if that's the case, we're worried that if you put milk on the same table as I am eating meat, therefore we have a problem. Now, let's do, just to clarify this halacha and give a few details. That is only, again, all of this you can look up in Yodesim and Peches. All of this is talking about a situation of a table that you are eating on. Just simply, you come back shopping, right? You did the shopping, you help mom and dad, Baruch Hashem, you and your parents by doing a bit of shopping for them, and you come home and you put the bags on the counter, and you start unpacking all the bags, and you've got the cheese, and you've got the yogurts, and you've also got the meat, and you've got, whoa, 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 you're not on the same table. No, there's no problem. That's a shaysh, that's a counter. If you're not eating from the table, you're allowed to put them on the same table without any problem whatsoever. If one of them, for example, is trade, that's also going to be mutter. If you don't even know the other person who's eating, you're sitting in the airport, for example, minding your own business, eating a cheese sandwich, and the guy next to you, who's a goy, is eating his meat sandwich... So that is no problem whatsoever, because the whole chashash is you're going to come to eat from him, or take from him, and therefore there's no problem with someone that you don't know. I remember asking... Um I remember asking once from Chaim Kinyaski to the Shaila when I was in Bnei Brak, what happens if you have a case on a bench, right? Two Brachim go out for supper, right? Because, not because the Shiva, the Shiva supper was good, but for that, for some reason they weren't serving supper that night, and they went out. One guy gets a shawarma, one guy gets a slice of pizza, they sit together on the bench. Are they allowed or not? So I asked from Chaim Kinyaski to the Shaila, and he said to me, what do you want from me? Chazal tell us a table. This is not a table, it's motor. I said, what about an aeroplane? Right? Again, I don't know how you guys travel, but when I travel, it's normally like quite tight, and I'm eating my cheese sandwich, 
the guy next to me, who I know very well, is eating my meat, is eating a meat sandwich, right? I'm sitting very, very close. And again, Paskin, it's motor, simply because that's two separate tables, and therefore it's okay. It's only eating on the same table within reach of one another. If you eat in two separate tables, one guy's eating a shawarma, one guy's eating a slice of pizza, and eating on two separate sides of the table that you cannot reach each other, there is no problem. A shoma would also help you. If you make a shoma to make sure that we don't eat from each other, there is no problem with that whatsoever. I once asked my Rebbe of Scheinberg, what's the dinner putting a bottle of milk, baby milk, I do this all the time by the way, I love doing this to guys who don't know any halacha, like I'm not going to say different yeshivas, but the chosh of yeshivas, you know, when they come to me to eat for Shabbos, and I'll dafka put the bottle of milk on the table, and they'll say, <gasps> whoa, and they'll be like, ah, maratzim, you guys know nothing, and what's the reason, and I asked Shimek the Pshan, he said, the bottle is a hecker, that itself is a hecker, and that's what the poskim say, if, says the Shulchan Aruch, you put a hecker between the guy eating meat and the guy eating milk, even if you can reach each other, it's going to be motor. So if, for example, on Shavuos, you're makpit to have milk eggs, and he's makpit to have flesh eggs, and you eat on the same table, put something in between you, something that's not normally there. I once asked my Rebbe, Rebbe Scheinberg, I said, Rebbe, are you allowed to put a safer in between two people, one meat, one milk? He says to me, what do you mean? But a safe is always on the table. How do you have a table without a safe on it? And therefore, of course, you can't use it, right? I asked the same shali. He told me it's a zilzal to the safer. But I'll upon him. That's the, that's the Indian over there. Okay, so that pretty much goes with that aloha. Let's move on, Rabbi Sai. Uh, to the next halacha, and that is waiting after eating meat. Very sensitive halacha. Peites Sif Aleph talks all about this. The, the, it's interesting, people don't know this. There's no makar in the Gemara for waiting six hours. Nowhere in the Gemara does it say to wait six hours. What does it, yes, say in the Gemara? That the English people are like, yay! So what does it say in the Gemara? It says very simple. It says they used to wait, the Gemara in Chulin Kufay, they used to wait misuda lasuda, right? From one meal. To another meal, says Toysfus. What does it mean? Toysfus says, as long as you bench in between, that's a new Suda. Lefit Toysfus, it would come out. How long does it take to bench? 15 seconds, if you're lucky, 18 seconds, you know. It's not a big deal to bench, right? Because nobody wants to wash anyway, because everyone's scared to wash. Because if you wash, it means I have to bench, right? Oh my gosh, I have to, I have to wash? No, it's okay, I don't want to eat bread today. Huh. That's, that's one, of the, one of the phobias that Jewish people have, is like becoming fleshing. Can you try the chicken soup? No, I don't want to try the chicken soup. Why not? No, because then I'll be fleshing. And if I'm fleshing, I, I, I make one on ice cream. And I don't want to do that. So that's like one of these phobias that Jewish people have. No, we cannot become fleshik. We cannot ever become the bench. And then there's a few more as well, which I'm not going to mention now. But I'll upon him. Therefore, there's no makar for suda for six hours. The Gemara says, Masuda suda. The Gemara in Brochus, if you work out, comes out. And that's how the Shulchan Aruch goes very clearly with. Held that the suda of a regular person in those days was six hours later. And therefore, it was generally going to be considered to be six hour wait between one and the other. I should tell you that the Gemara already brings... And as I state in Zoya College, for those people that run to Meiran for Lag Boimer, that um, they used to wait 24 hours. In fact, the Gemara tells us clearly, the Gemara says, says the Gemara, I am vinegar, he's talking about himself, I am vinegar, the son of wine. My father was wine, I'm vinegar. What's the reason? He says, you know why? My father used to wait 24 hours to meet him. Me, I just wait. Says So what's the big deal? So just wait 24 hours. You can't just take on Chomers if you're not holding there. If you're not holding there, you don't take on Chomers. But the Rambam Paskins and the Shulchan Aruch goes with this. Six hours is six full hours. Even though the Rambam, we know, says, it's like six hours. That's how it is. The Ramah, as we know, Paskins, that all you need is... 
the Ramah Paskins, all you need is one hour. But the Maisa, a person should be machme to wait six hours. Nochain is the lotion of the Ramah to wait six hours. The Shach and the Taz say anyone that's got a Shmek of Torah within them obviously wakes six hours. And Chochmas Odom says if a person doesn't wait six hours, he is someone who's over on Kabbalah's Chazah, on, on Kabbalah's Klalisol, because Klalisol will Makabal, and he's over al Titesh Torah Semecha, and as I pass him, Rabbein Chananon, the Rambam, the Rift, the Ritva, the Rosh, the Balit, the Meir, the Ben Yurukham, the Tor, the Kolbaik, the, the, the Ran, the Rakech, and the Ogro, and as I pass him, Shulchan Arach, Lalach, and the Maisa, that yes, you have to wait six hours. Those people that have a minute to wait three, ask a local Orthodox rabbi whether or not you have to change or not change. I don't want to get involved in that, because that's not Nagaya. But the Maisa, just a couple of things before we go on. Very, very important. Uh, there was a Bacha, Bacha Yeshiva that once came to Rabchan Kanyeski years ago, and he wanted a Bacha for Shidduch, and he came to Rabchan Kanyeski and said, Rabbi, can I have a Bacha for Shidduch? And Rabchan said to him, Loi Savashak di Bachalevi Moi. No, Rabbi, I want a Bacha for Shidduch, please. Loi Savashak di Bachalevi Moi. Huh? So they found out afterwards, because there wasn't enough time over there, that this Bacha was not careful in waiting six hours after eating meat. So they came to Rabchan Kanyeski and said, Rabbi, how did you know? He said, What do you mean? state in Zoya Kodesh that if a person is not careful in Basavacholov then his, on his forehead there's going to be a Tzura Vigdi I saw on his forehead and I realized that's what he has to be careful on okay I'll come upon him why do we wait after eating meat? So, remember, one reason is Rashi says is the time is moishach in your, in your mouth for a lingers for a long amount of time. Rambam clearly says, Basa Benishinayim, that the meat that is stranded between your teeth, Lechatchila, we paskin both of them, and even on a tiny bit you have to wait. If you taste it, but you don't swallow it, then you are okay in that case. I'll give you an example. I remember, I was learning with my chavusa, these halachas, and in the middle of second seder, he starts, uh, Ah, okay, fine, let's continue. Like, what did you just do? What did you just do? So he's like, oh, no, 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 I, I, I had some meat for lunch, and I just realized there was some stuck in my teeth. So I just swallowed it. Aha! Do you have to wait six hours again from now? So we went running down to the Rashiva of Scheinberg, and we asked him the Shaila, but it's a run, put down on the Shach. And um, he said, no, you don't have to continue waiting. It's absolutely fine. Even though, there are, by the way, there are those who are machma in those cases. But anyway, we... Um, so we so even a small amount, the Maisa, that you don't have to you don't have to you start counting the six hours from the end of the meat. Not the end of the Suda, even though the Arachoshokan passes is from the end of the meal, but you go from the end you know, people ask for Khangeski all these crazy questions. Like one of the crazy questions is when do you start waiting the six hours? From when you put it in your mouth, when you start chewing it, when you f- swallowing it. The man just wants to learn, leave him alone. But anyway, what do you have to wait six hours um from? You have to wait six hours on anything that is meat or cooked together with meat. For example, people don't know this. You go to a restaurant and you get chips, fries, and those fries are fried in oil that was also used for schnitzel. That oil is fleshic oil, and therefore, um, you would have to wait six hours after those after those chips. Whereas, nut bar nut, for example, the potatoes that were cooked, like we mentioned yesterday, in a meaty ben frying pan, will not have to wait six hours. Even the onion that you cut with a meat knife, with Kivega brings and Peites, says that you don't have to wait six hours over there. Even an oven! I remember I had this machlokas I'm not going to say it doesn't make a difference too, but a choshev, a choshev, a choshev, a choshev, a yid. I remember walking, uh, we were discussing this the question. If you cook meat and, uh, meat and bread in the same oven at the same time, do you have to wait? He told me, Avada, same time? Of course you have to wait. I said, What do you mean? You haven't got Rashi and you haven't got the Rambam. There's no Moshe Tam and there's no Bosa Benishanaim. There's no reason for a person to wait. Loidati, that's what I hold, and that's what I tell people in that case. Sleeping doesn't help, by the way, even though the Heidegger Samsoifer once had a Misa that he um, used to be makel after sleeping and wait less time. But the Maisa, we don't pass in that way, and therefore sleeping will not help, even though the Chassam Sofa one time, when he held that way, um, he made a coffee, 
It was less than six hours, and the coffee spilled. He said, aha, it's a simon mena shamayim, that shamayim is not makabo my psak. Therefore, it will not help you in that case. If you have a sophic six hours, most proskim are makal. A person who's a choyle, for example, can generally be makal in that case, and choyle uh, can, you know, depending on what it is, can be makal because it's only a minig, and therefore you can makal in that case. Let's move on, Rabbi Say, after waiting after cheese, because this is nagea, of course, to the usugya of basta uh, when it comes to um, shvuas by cheesecakes. People eat cheesecakes, cheese blintzes, all of these cheese products, and then they want to go and have their flesh suda. Again, we'll discuss the minig of Klali Sorba Shvurus Be'ez Hashem soon. But after eating cheese, there are three things that we have to do. A, kinuach, that means eating something parav, right? Eating some crisps, eating some pretzels, some biscuits, some cake, whatever it is, in between the milk to the meat, right? We're going from cheese to meat over here. The next thing you have to do is hadocha, rinse out your mouth. And the last thing you have to do is dime unless you ate with a fork. Aye, nobody does this. What's the Pshat. What's the pshat? The whole Kabbalah said Torah we mentioned yesterday was Torah in Kinuach and Adokha from the Chasam Soifer brought down in the Medrash and Parashat Vayera. And the answer is that, Betzim, it's a Shach, Petes, that after an hour, you don't have to do this. So, if you ate the milk, you have an hour break, and then you eat your meat, you don't have to do anything. Obviously, making sure that you've got no braces, you've got no retainers, you've got nothing inside, you know, in between over there. But if you know there's nothing there, then you can continue without any problem whatsoever. If you're going straight from the milk to the meat, which many people do, so then the Allah is you need to do A, Kinuach, B, Adokha, C, Natal if you touch the food with your hands. Right? Very, very important. Do you have to wait? No, you do not. There is no halacha that you have to wait, even though Shtet and Zayah Kodesh, yes. The minig of most people, there are people that have a minute to wait. I don't want to say that it's true. There are people that have a minute to wait. But if you don't have a minute, you do not have to. As long as after your cheese products, you do kinuch, eating something parav, hadocha, rinse it out with something in your mouth, and then nitele sedaim. Hard cheese. What is the definition of hard cheese? There are two mahalchim, the shach and the tals bring this in sea base. Number one is it's six months, it takes six months, which is by the way quite negated to some of our cheeses. I myself called up some of the companies and they did tell me that some of the cheeses are actually six months old. Some posts, even Roshavit Alevi, held that even after it's packaged, it gets a din on, it can continue maturing and therefore get a din of six months till you get it. It went to the, you know, went to the, the person who, who made it, went from the factory, went to, went to the wholesaler and then it came to the shop and then it came to you. So it could be. The other one is wormy cheese, right? Wormy cheese, by the way, those worms are actually muttered to eat. They're milchika worms, if you want to eat them. And therefore, that is considered to be hard cheese. In, in Eretz Yisrael, most poskim are machme. In in, in uh, America, most poskim are actually makel. Everyone's pretty much makel when it comes to melted cheese, that you don't have to worry that after melted cheese, for sure, you don't have to wait anything whatsoever. But again, there are cheeses, Parmesan cheese, for example. I know that OU held that, yes, it is actually six-hour cheese, unless it's melted, of course. Then it's got a different din. Uh, okay, that pretty much sums up most of the halachas that we wanted to get to. Uh, Be'ez HaShem, what we have to discuss is when to eat milk is on Shavuos, which Be'ez HaShem we're going to be doing as well. Gavaldik.